Thank you for listening to the Ace Jewelers podcast. This is an episode of The Ace List Live. This podcast has been recorded live during a live stream, which was broadcast on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. This is an audio-only version of that recording. Pascal, good afternoon. How are Hi. you? Hi, Alon. I'm very fine. How are you? Very good. Good to see you, mon ami. Thank you, so here. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Um, I want to introduce Pascal Alabesoud, officially a very long title at the <laughs> Fonction de la Haute de Horlogerie. Um, you are a head of watchmaking watchmaking expert and external affairs, if I say it correctly. But yes. please introduce yourself, Pascal. <laughs> oh, I'm an, I'm an old timer in, in watchmaking and with the foundation for more than 10 years, um, trying to uh, spread the word and, uh, you know, increase the appreciation of watches for, for everyone, basically. So very much enjoying it. Amazing. And um, the key reason we invited Pascal to join us on the Ace List live sessions is because he's a total watch freak like us. And <laughs> the purpose today is to talk about watches, the state of affairs in the watch industry today. Um, I will repeat a lot of things also reading out the questions out loud because we always um, we also broadcast these live sessions afterwards as podcasts. So people don't see the questions that are in the screen. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Alon Ben-Joseph, one of the owners of the family-owned and run business Ace Jewelers in Amsterdam. Um, the Ace List uh, live sessions are meant to be 45 minutes, split in three segments, 15 for an intro with our dear guests, and seven The Ace List questions that we ask, the same ones for each guest. Then we freestyle, and the last 15 minutes, we try to interact with our viewers, our dear viewers that are here with us right now. Um, so, but first and foremost, before we start, we need to do a wrist check. So, Pascal, <laughs> from your vast collection, what did you put on? One or two? Well, maybe if I grow older, uh, maybe I get, I get both my wrists used. But uh, this time, I don't know if you see it. Uh, I can see it well. Yeah. It's an IWC. Yeah, it's a pilot watch uh, from the 90s. So it's an old timer, yeah. uh, young timer. 3706, yeah. uh, very basic. Uh, that was basically the uh, the start of a, of a very, very interesting line of the IWC pilot watches. Yeah. And I always loved this uh, tritium uh, version. Yeah. Um, and I, I was lucky to find a set that, from the last pr uh, production year of 2000. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm wearing quite often. It's a, quite on the smallest side for today. Uh, but still, uh, I really appreciate it uh, either, you know, for the uh, the office or even during the weekends. Yeah, awesome. I um, just had a, we're filming this, by the way, in our boutique. So I just had a meeting with a dear customer this morning and he was wearing the Ratrapant version, ah, which is okay. still on my wrist list. So my wish list for my wrist. Okay. And I also had the 3706, the 3717, but actually yours is the best because that's 39 millimeters, right? It is, and actually, yeah. I think the best of the best is the 3705, the yeah. uh, ceramic uh, yeah, one, which gave birth also to the uh, you know the Top Gun line. Uh, yeah. And yeah. this is this yeah. is kind of a great for me. Yeah, very difficult. Yeah, I must to, say, Pascal, I'm a bit disappointed in you because I wore today my Speedy. Uh huh. Yeah. Hey, you are <laughs> a huge speedy fan as well and speedy tuesday but yeah. i'll forgive you so I'm unfaithful so sorry my tintin racing nice very nice do you have that one yep i do <laughs> great yeah. one that's why you're my buddy so, <laughs> okay cool awesome 
Shall we slide into the questions? Let's slide. All right. Definitely. First question. What watch or jewel is your favorite and why? Well, this was a question on which I reflected many nights before. <laughs> or many years, I shall say. Well, the, the best one is the next one. <laughs> I can't have any better answer than that. And I tried to convince myself that, yeah, that one is the best. And uh, yeah, no, that one is the best. And then it keeps sliding all the time. So definitely, I think the next one is the best. <laughs> so uh, that's a politically correct answer. <laughs> it's actually the reality. <laughs> it's, it's, we're infected with a disease and there's no cure, right? So that's a totally. And the more you go and the more it's, it's getting serious, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so, <laughs> uh, maybe let, let me rephrase. Did you, two questions. Do you just buy young timers and vintage or do you also buy new? So that's yeah, one question. I, yeah. And maybe you want to share your latest addition to your collection, maybe. Yes. Well, it's um, not bad, <laughs> No, uh, actually, I collect both. Uh, I find both attractive for different reasons. Um, I, I'm sure that uh, probably my collection is more into vintage uh, young timers. Uh, but my uh, latest, my latest edition in vintage or young timers is uh, is uh, is a Rolex Explorer Two Cream, um, sixteen five five zero, the transitional, and yeah. my latest new edition uh, is a Bulkery uh, Octo Finissimo nice. Blue Dial in steel that uh, nice. that is from this year. It's really nice. uh, a cool watch. Congratulations, because that is just fresh on the market. Totally. Although they launched it at the beginning of the year, it's only fresh on the market because we have a waiting list for that model. Um, I do know that you already have an Octo Finissimo, which is the I Chrono. So yes. how is the wear between the steel and the titanium? Because I have the titanium regular. Okay. Chrono. There are really two different watches. And this yeah. is what I like uh, about this line, which uh, which is, is truly, I think, becoming a, a, an iconic watch. Uh, as a modern watch, yeah. it, it's quite interesting to see the diversity of uh, variations you can have on the same uh, basic design. Well, basic, not basic design, very inspired designed by Genta as well. Yeah. And uh, I think really uh, they uh, they nailed it on this piece. Uh, um, the, the, the Chrono GMT is, uh, is, is another watch altogether. Um, it's more of a steel uh, F117, uh, you know, uh, steel jet kind of, uh, of, of feel, uh, yeah. very masculine. Um, and and the, uh, the, uh, the steel one with blue dial is, is really the summer watch uh that that is really cool and and sleek and uh and actually water resistance so you can dive with it it's it's quite well yeah it's quite diverse and, and i like this this versatility i would like actually to do a deep dive with you on bulgari because last week we had the geneva watch days which was a yes. new concept and i think that uh two brands really stood out for me personally which are bulgari and elise now then those those really innovated and yeah made different things so i, I want to dive into and i want to announce um that uh, you should tune in for all the bulgari fans uh, next week because we're having a uh, panel conversation discussion with both antoine pin who's head of watchmaking bulgari together with fabrizio who does the designs and he's i think he's epic and i saw they relaunched the gel genta by retro so I'm going to ask him uh, how it is to step into Gerald Genta's footsteps, literally. So that will be an interesting session, but we can yeah. maybe uh, do the intro and share our thoughts about it. <laughs> um, second question, please. What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I wanted to be a pilot, uh, but my sight was not 100%, so I could not uh, make the military uh, training. Uh, like many, unfortunately. So I did a lot of military, and I still do. As which a, one, which country? Uh, in Switzerland, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, the some would say the uh, the Swiss Army knife uh, are are the best, uh, and the, the 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 Swiss knife army is uh, probably the 
the more peaceful army, but still, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I was quite serious, uh, and and it was my uh, my my contribution to my country since I do know politics. Uh, so I did some military, and I still uh, still do, and I'm uh, I'm a lieutenant. Well, I'm a lieutenant colonel. I'm very, uh, very happy to contribute like that uh, to my country, and unfortunately, uh, not a pilot. Is it still true that um, reservists? Are you still a reservist, or at a certain yeah, well, age uh, It's a bit complicated. Basically, if you're a soldier, you do your recruit school at 20 years old, and then you do repetition courses every year, two or three weeks, until you reach uh, 32. But then you, uh, when you um, take a grade and and go into the uh, uh, you know officer ranks, then your age is pushed <laughs> pushed back until you're uh, you're 50, basically. Yeah. yeah so for the superior have your rifle at home yeah well now i have uh, just a uh, just a uh, you know again a handgun yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but, so it's a yeah. Funny story i as a kid <laughs> i went on a factory visit to saint emier longines yeah epic <laughs> uh, trip we had dinner in the manufacture yeah. um, and then volta Fankena obviously was ceo back then he, he's been there forever he uh, just semi-retired, right? He's now president, but uh, there's an amazing new CEO there. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he's a jolly guy, amazing guy. Yeah, Besides yeah. being a good CEO, <laughs> he's an amazing guy. And he's a colonel. Uh, he, loves you know? his, he loves Longin. Yeah. He loves women and his rifle. <laughs> so I was a young guy. We came there. He always wants a woman on the right and a woman on the left for dinner. Always. <laughs> I had the honor to be the third sidekick to sit all evening next to him. Okay. The <laughs> nice. Had, the story <laughs> came out. So he told me about his army time. And, <laughs> and when it's becoming too jolly at night, his wife hides the rifle. <laughs> <laughs> He's a character. I really I have a much respect for, for Walter von Kennel. Yeah, it's amazing. Great guy. All right, thank you. Thank you for sharing. So let's uh, sure. go into the third question Who's your role model? Well, actually, I have no role model. Okay. I, uh, I tend to uh, to do uh, my best in every situation and uh, trying to always improve uh, in everything I do. Uh, but I, I can't find really someone who I can say was my uh, my model in, in my youth or even now. Um, I love inspirational people like uh, Simon Sinek, uh, who really are thought leaders and, and things like yeah. that. But it's more... I can't say it's really a role model uh, that I have. Let me maybe um, spin the question. Who do you think are inspirational leaders in the watch industry today to stick to watchmaking? Forget role model. Who are who are, <laughs> who are inspiring? Well, this is a very politically incorrect question, you know. <laughs> yeah, listen, we're talking watches as fans, right? Yeah. I'm interviewing as a person. No, but I mean, I, think... I mean, I think there are many people in the industry that are very, uh, there, are, there are quality people. Uh, we are in an industry that is not uh, talking a lot or, or I mean, taking positions. And I think, uh, you know, Jean-Claude Biver is, is a very uh, inspirational person. And I think our industry uh, need people like that to, you know, to appear uh, united uh, as one uh, as we go uh, as we go along uh, with our uh, you know with our business, so yeah, some others are too, uh, but I think um, yeah, it's difficult to really choose one. <laughs> no, but I I I think that you it, it wasn't a politically incorrect question because actually he is an ambassador for what FHH does. Uh, I love FHH. the fact that he always thinks of the next generation. I think he sees himself as a mentor. Mm -hmm. All the companies that he run, he has protégés running it till today, even if he's not at the helm of the company. He really wants the next generation to uh, um, settle in and grow into their roles. I see it also with his kids. And after he, he retired or semi-retired, what he I don't know what his official title is now, mm -hmm. but he really travels the world to promote Swiss watchmaking, right? Yes. Yes, and it's important, and also passing on to the next generation is very important. Yeah. And it's it's really something that we try to embrace uh, at, at Fondation de la Autologerie yeah. is is really um, 
well, first educating, because it's all about education. Yeah. Uh, we, we try to uh, educate, it's a bit of a, of a you know, bold word, but ba basically uh, we try to put together information that has not bias, that is more neutral, so that people who don't necessarily are geeks yet uh, need to find a credible basis to, you know, to build up their, their knowledge. And, and we are providing just that. And uh, uh, well, I think over the years, it's been more uh, than uh, 15 years that the, uh, the foundation was, uh, was created. Mm -hmm. And we, we really put an emphasis on, uh, on knowledge and education as being the base, you know, like everything in life. Uh, it's so important. And I think also we need to take into account that the, uh, the clients are you know, somehow aging and we need to pass on uh, to the mm -hmm. next generation. So, uh, so the, this appreciation of mechanical things, uh, work of art uh, needs to be, uh, you know, talked about and, and taught to the next generation so that we can continue uh, uh, to, uh, to count on that. It's even more important, I would say, now than, than it was before because now basically the mechanical watch is totally useless and the new generation is born uh, digital. Uh, right. So for them, it's totally anachronic uh, to have these little pieces, but still uh, we can see a very um, uh, huge interest from the youngsters that, uh, that comes uh, to something that is for them totally disconnected. And there is a, a form of, uh, yes, of fascination, I would say, uh, for the mechanical thing, because it's, it's unlike everything they know. You know, so I, I totally, think that there's a huge task uh, ahead of us. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So um, this concept of the ACE list live was born out of the idea that we wanted to replicate what we do in store. But because there's less traffic in the last six months, let's say, we said, OK, what what is it that we stand for as retailers? So we're there to share our passion, our knowledge and add value with service and quality. So that's the aim of the Ace List Live. Uh, literally share that. It's not a commercial project. Um, that's why I'm very happy that you were very quick to reply when I send out uh, requests for people to be our guests. You jumped on the bandwagon. Um, <laughs> no, because I know, because I know, Alan, that uh, we are sharing the same uh, the same objective. So yeah, you know, yeah, this is yeah. this is why. And, and I think you guys are very modest and and, and have a lot of integrity. Maybe. I wanted to save it for later, but maybe let's just blend it all in. So for those that don't know the Fondation, which is the foundation to promote fine watchmaking, and not only in Switzerland, right? It's basically global. Global. Yeah. So you guys are non-profit, right? We are a non-profit uh, non organization, yeah. So aim to promote this fine art, basically. Yes, right. and uh, with, uh, with the, the support of... Uh, we were founded by... Uh, the Richmond Group, uh, Gérard Perrego and Audemars Piguet, uh, yeah. with the aim to... They're unaffiliated. Excuse me? They're unaffiliated. So they, these yes. guys are not one group. And uh, they, uh, their idea was actually, uh, as I said, to increase the appreciation of, uh, of watches and watchmaking and fine watchmaking uh, to the widest possible audience. And so uh, the idea was to be, uh, you know, founded as a non-profit and, uh, and be open to everyone. So today we have more than 40 brands, uh, you know, participating and being, uh, you know, partners, financial, uh, also contributors to uh, all our promotion activities that we have. And uh, these promotion activities are more and more uh, digital, of course, yeah. especially yeah. this year, I would yeah. say. But we've made uh, also exhibitions in, in various markets, in, in, you know, at the Kremlin Museum in, in Russia, uh, in Tokyo, in China, in Hong Kong, in, in Mexico, in many other parts of the world to try, you know, to, um, to, yeah, to, to increase the knowledge and the appreciation. Uh, it's a very wide role for us, small organization. <laughs> To try to do that globally to the widest possible audience but with it's a long-term goal of course how big is your team yeah we are about 30 people but uh, in this you know you we didn't mention but we also on one side organize a small watch salon in geneva called yeah. uh, SCHH uh, before and now watches and wonders and uh, so it takes a lot of uh, you know uh, of uh, resources uh, and uh, maybe half of these 
uh, people are allocated to the salon, the, the other half on the promotion of, uh, you know, fan watchmaking in general. We have an academy uh, mm -hmm. where we do uh, training for mainly for professionals, uh, salespeople mainly, uh, but we also make, uh, you know, uh, watchmaking workshops, initiation to watchmaking workshops for uh, the publics. And also during our events, the Watches and Wonders events that we organize in various locations, we also uh, provide some uh, content, uh, cultural activities, promotional activities, and uh, our team is taking care of that. We do talks and conferences, we do, uh, well, these workshops and, and other things, uh, virtual reality experiences, uh, quizzes, and, 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 and whatnot uh, in, in all our events. And so, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I want to make a banner quickly to send uh, all the viewers uh to read more about you guys, should I send them to the website or uh, Instagram yes, yes. account? Or so the website of the foundation is uh, autorlogerie.org, and then the uh, the website for watches and wonders is watches and wonders.com. Is this correct? It is yes. Yeah, very so correct. there you can find a lot of stuff, and I think uh, you're very uh, humble, but uh, I know you've been uh, part of the driving force by quickly digitizing the European version of Watches and Wonder earlier this yes. year. Yes. And you guys did a tremendous job, in my humble opinion. You, you literally created a beautiful overview of what's new. And what I love the most when I follow you guys on the socials, uh, Instagram and Facebook, is you guys make a um, themed overview of um, different brands um compiled by function or metal so let's say a perpetual mm -hmm. calendar or a minute repeater or tourbillon or red gold or diamonds or ladies watches so that's something that i really enjoy okay. so thanks compliment. thank uh, you shall we do question four we'll come back maybe a bit uh, later yep. to uh what the foundation does as well of course i think we were at four Yes. For tomorrow, where would you go? <laughs> Depends for what, but right now I would love to be on a on a Thailand island, <laughs> like uh, Koh Phi Phi or uh, or Koh Samui, um, to get a bit of rest and yeah. uh, and peace uh, after uh, eight months very very uh, challenging uh, in our in our industry. Uh, so uh, it's such a roller coaster. That uh, yeah, teleporting there would be would be something fancy. I, I fancy a lot. <laughs> and have you been there already, or is it the yes, first time? Yes, 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 yes. I've yeah, been so many times in Thailand. You yeah. know what you're dreaming about. <laughs> yes, because it's at the same time. Uh, I mean, the the scenery is incredible. The people are very nice. The food is incredible. Uh, of course, the the climate is is top. And um, I don't know. There is a sense of peace there that yeah. I that I really appreciate. And they appreciate watchmaking as well, the Thai people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next question. What book are you currently reading? I am reading a book by Joel Dicker called The, the Last Days of Our Fathers. Uh, it's, uh, it's about, um, it's during the uh, occupied France, uh, during the Second World War. It's about uh, a young French guy uh, French guys who actually enroll into the uh, British Secret Service to uh, serve their country and try to free their country uh, through uh, the help of London. Um, it's quite diverting. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Quite nice. So, would you recommend? So far, it? so good. <laughs> yeah, so far, so good. Okay, good. Thanks for sharing. Sure. Sixth question: What do you think is going to be the color of 2021? <laughs> it's an easy one. After this morning, I would say green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was too easy, but uh, otherwise I should have said blue because I think blue is really still uh, very much in fashion and I yeah. see this as a long, longer term trend, but yeah. I think green is, is probably more in the, uh, in the news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind no. of, I, yeah, sorry. to be honest, I kind of, I kind of uh, like the idea of the, the Kermit uh, 2.0. Should we do this now, maybe quickly? Yes. Yes. So, um, big anticipation on the 1st of September, a few days after Geneva Watch Days, Rolex launched models, although they said they wouldn't launch anything this year. There were a lot of speculations going around. 
Black Dial Blue Bezel, Kermit, yes, no. So <laughs> not a, it's not a Hulk. Hulk is green, green. Yep. So what did you think of today's launches? I think the the evolution of the submarine was very much anticipated. Um, I really was not a fan of the, you know, big fat Lux older um, um, case, and I think uh, it's very difficult to update and upgrade something that, by definition, is already perfect. Uh, so I think they really uh, nailed it. Uh, so I think this evolution is by any means uh, no revolution, but we we know that from from Rolex, and this is part of their. Uh, well, what they do best uh, is is doing what they know, uh, uh, and and I think yeah, this this uh, this upgrade is quite nice. Uh, on the thirty six uh, oyster perpetual, uh, the fresh colors. I was a bit surprised to be honest. Uh, I would have said it's much more uh, a Tudor thing than a Rolex thing, um, but uh, why not? I think we. I think it's fresh, and and, and fresh is good. Mm -hmm. So no, basically wasn't overly uh, surprised except these colors. Yeah, no, I was, uh, and, and the case size I thought it was also. Uh, uh, I've seen I've seen a video I think from uh, from uh, way from Waco from Revolution that was yeah. really comparing both, and yeah. uh, it's it's pretty evident and it's uh, it's pretty well done because then you can yeah. really see the difference. Uh, uh, you know, hand uh, hand in hand, and uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's pretty much well made. Well made. I I really uh, I'm quite positive. Yeah, it's 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 making something uh, great greater. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not, not sure this is going to uh, you know to help the uh, the delivery deadlines. But <laughs> we're not Rolex dealers. We're not Rolex dealers. We're Tudor dealers. Um, yeah. But obviously, I love Rolex. I don't have a sub in my private collection. Mm. Um, I have the GMT in Daytona. My brother and father do have subs. Um, huge discussion. Um, Cyclops or not Cyclops? Uh, yeah. I'm a, less of a date guy, but I do love the Cyclops because it's okay. so sick the Rolex. Um, I love the black dial blue bezel with white gold. I it's think white too. gold, yeah. But this is very logical. It's very logical, and historically, it's, it's always yeah. like that. Yeah, it's logical, but I think two watches should be steel. So um, I think I would just stick to the black, black, no date. Really? And yeah, less is more. Okay. Uh, me personally, just talking out loud as watch freaks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the colors, I think logical step because my friends that do retail uh rolex and obviously we talk watches a lot um i think that one of the best dials has been the grape dial mm -hmm. the last few yep. years the regular yep, totally. so yeah nice good to see and i'm happy they launched novelties and now we're slowly gearing to normality yeah oh so, yeah yep. all right it's actually um, just uh yeah, no, it's just a bit sad that, sad that it's actually stealing the show. I mean, a, a minor, uh, a minor uh, difference is actually making uh, the whole uh, the whole news and uh, and headlines for for days. But this yeah. is how it is, right? Yeah, yeah. We can we can we can talk about uh, this maybe later. Maybe this is an interesting question for our uh, guests and viewers. Maybe to yeah, share I'm... their opinion. Yep. Um, because we, we already have some questions coming in, but um, time-wise, we're now almost at 30 minutes. Yeah, um, I have one more question on the ace list questions. Yes. Maybe let's do that. Close this chapter. Have you been to Amsterdam before, Pascal? And what's your yes. favorite memory? Yes, I've been a few times, actually, uh, for work uh, in my previous job. So it's been ages. And uh, I really love the, the canals. Uh, it's really something unique and i love this atmosphere you know uh wandering uh, around and and seeing all these very nice houses with the with the great uh architecture i really love that yeah. uh you know along the the canals uh for me it's pretty special i really love yeah. it i see well, you love uh, water because you're sitting by the river now yes definitely we, we can't see it but it's yeah. definitely there no, the only thing in Amsterdam is bikes. Uh, I was almost murdered a few times <laughs> because they just don't stop. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, they think they're the king of the road. <laughs> Crazy. You know. yeah, that's <laughs> but no, I survived. So yeah, I'm going to be back there hopefully soon. Amazing. Thank you. So those were the questions. Um, 
Should we dive a bit into our viewers' questions, or yes. do you? Yes, sure. Share? Or should you know? Let's do five more minutes of um, novelties. Geneva watch days. What do you think? Well, actually, I haven't seen them all, uh, you know, in person. Yeah. Um, uh, so, well, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, Ulysse Nardin uh, was was pretty strong. Uh, Bulgari uh, was quite interesting. Um, I uh, I have also very much liked the, um, the 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 solo tempo from H Moser. Uh, I think their case with their bracelet is really refined, and uh, coming from th this brand, it's it's kind of a, not a shock, but uh, it's uh, very different to all their lines, and I think this is quite fresh. Um, it's a streamliner, no? I believe was the name. Yes, exactly. I was I was looking for it. Yeah. yeah, streamliner. I love that one. I think it's amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> it's really. I, I had uh, the the chrono on my wrist, and uh, to be honest, uh, the, the bracelet is really well uh, executed. It's very comfy. It's very uh, qualitative, and uh, in the flow of all the sports watches and and steel we've seen over the last few years, uh, uh, I think it's one uh, one good example, definitely. Can um, I ask? I want to ask you something. So that blew me away because it was launched earlier this year, and they did a new dial, I believe, green again. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, <laughs> I was blown away by the Chapek. I believe it's called the Antarctic. Uh, yes, I think so. If we're talking integrated bracelet watches, right? I, I mm -hmm. was blown away by the micro rotor in the caliber, yeah. but also the design of the watch, the bracelet, and and, and the, the the design break from what they've done before. Mm -hmm. I really, I really salute Xavier and his team. I think it's amazing what these guys do. Yes, and no, I think it's it's pretty pretty fresh to the market as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we see the big trend going on in integrated bracelet watches, it's actually uh, super cool. I love that, and I love what Moser did. These guys mm -hmm. together with MBNF. Yes, uh, this is great. That collab back and forth. I thought. Yes. This is this is uh, yeah quite oldish, but yeah no, it yeah. is actually new. <laughs> yeah. No, no, definitely, definitely great, great collaboration. Yeah. I I really love these uh, these collaboration with two brands I really like, and um, no, it was it was it was cool. And what did you think about the Ulysse uh, Nardin Blast? Um, well, <laughs> with Ulysse Nardin, it's always the same. Uh, they are very segmenting uh, designs, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, I really like the idea. Uh, probably not a watch for me, but I really like the idea. I yeah. think uh, they really are creative, and uh, they always push the boundaries. Uh, so I think, yeah, very much Elise Nardin, basically. Uh, yeah. So they, they keep uh, doing a good work. Uh, Patrick translates the DNA, the, 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 the soul of Schneider, Rolf Schneider, very mm -hmm. well. Yeah. I love the fact that those, those, I didn't see it in my hands yet. I'm going to see it soon. But that the lugs with that stealth movement inside was amazing. I believe mm -hmm. it took them a year and a half to develop a fully new caliber and mm -hmm. micro rotor, which is a first for Elise Nardin. And that X, which is now their new DNA, yeah. I thought it was amazing. And um, I found it super cool, obviously, uh, Bulgari with the return of the Gerald Genta. So, <laughs> but we just mentioned that earlier. And the yeah. aluminium, it's interesting. It's a, it's a bit retro for uh, Bulgari. Yeah, but I think it's quite a nice idea. Uh, yeah. I mean, the price point is quite interesting. We um, we've seen the evolution of uh, Swiss watch making industry in terms of numbers, and we we know we are uh, losing volumes against the uh, connected watches and wearables and, and uh, whatever what's not. And yeah. it's uh, it's quite interesting to come at these points because it's important to be to be strong in this segment for the Swiss watch making uh, industry, in my view. I agree. I agree. Should we talk a bit about smart watches slash connected watches? Do you want to talk about that? How do you guys uh, perceive it or you personally? Yeah, no, I think we, um, we, <laughs> there, there have been a few initiatives, but I think uh, basically Swiss watchmaking uh, industry uh, lost uh, the, <laughs> the war of, of wearables. And, yeah. Um, and there are a few reasons for that that it's not my purpose to to say uh, we should have done that or, or, mm -hmm. or not done that. Uh, 
uh, I think it's a reality. Uh, it's, uh, it's a segment on their own, and I think it's owned by people who don't make uh, watches. They are making, uh, uh, well, objects with uh, functions uh, that are not emotional and that are actually providing uh, features, uh, functions, um, uh, functionalities. And, you know, Swiss watchmaking and mechanical watches and fine watchmaking is totally uh, about uh, uniqueness, rarity, emotions, um, uh, work of art. So, you know, I think, uh, okay, uh, I acknowledge their, their presence and they probably are, probably are here to stay for a while. But I don't see this as a, as a real threat for the overall industry. Of course, the entry level has been hit and, and this is going to be uh, tough to recover. Uh, but I think for the higher end, uh, starting thousand and, and above, uh, it's not too much of a, of a big deal because uh, if we know how to sell our products and we, uh, we can romance these products for the new generation, uh, then uh, someone is going to make his choice or her choice between a, a 500 uh, wearable uh, that will be uh, obsolete, uh, obsolete in one year or two, uh, and, and a mechanical watch at uh, maybe at the double that will that is going to stay for uh, well not forever but for decades and work without any charger and, and provide some emotions because it's been done by human people and and it's going to to have a heart that beats. Uh, so for me, there are two different stories. Yeah. So. Me, myself, personally, I'm actually happy with smartwatches in the sense as a jeweler, mm -hmm. in the sense that it educates um, those that don't wear watches or younger generations when they buy their first watch to wear actually something on their wrist. What? So yeah, it educates them that time is on your wrist and not on your I phone. I'm happy about that. Yeah. And we really see that happening. Um, in the US, it's known that uh, the percentage of people wearing a timepiece on their wrist is smaller than in Europe, let's say in Asia. So mm -hmm. we really see that with our American customers. Um, that being said, um, I am a bit worried though, I write columns. And uh, one of my columns was titled, time is not round anymore. <laughs> Meaning kids slowly do not learn to read time analog anymore. It's digital, so horizontal. That's okay. why. And I was shocked by an article that I read that in the UK, an X percentage I don't remember by heart, they couldn't read time anymore of an analog no. clock. That because of that, in um, rooms where children have exams, they take the clocks off the wall because kids sitting there can't use their phone, obviously. So they don't have the time near them. They can't read the clock. So they got stressed out because they see the time passing. Yeah. And, uh, and then Sorry. they don't know what time it is. Yeah, no problem. Uh, <laughs> just stay with us. So, so these are things that. So, I'm not worried about smartwatches. I think it's a good thing. I am worried that we need to educate. So that's why I'm super happy mm -hmm. show and any other project to share the the knowledge of uh, fine watchmaking. Um, before we dive into uh, questions from our guests, I have one question for you, actually. Yes. How do you guys define hotology? What's the border? <laughs> what's hotology and what's not hotology? Regular hotology. You just mentioned 1000. How would you guys go about classifying that? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a very interesting question to which there is no definite and short answer. Okay. Uh, basically, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm running a, uh, what we call a cultural council of uh, 50 yeah. experts uh, worldwide to try to answer this question. So, so far we have tackled um, and, and, and I'll try to approach that uh, through many different factors. There are, uh, it, it's, a, it's a very complex thing uh, because autology doesn't start here and stop there. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, intricacies into the mechanisms uh, and basically you can you can really narrow it down uh, by being very general and say autologie is excellence in watchmaking it's uh, applied arts and watchmaking techniques uh, in symbiosis and that that makes you know the the, the magic of the, of the of the great autologie product but 
of course, it's not as simple as that. We uh, even uh, wrote a, a white paper on, on ontology, try to explain the what 45 criteria, <laughs> the 45 yeah. criteria is that, that, that... Is that available for the public? Sorry to interrupt you, Pascal. It's is on that... our website. Yeah, it's on our website in, uh, on PDF um, called so the white paper. Here. Please. And then find the white paper because that's actually yeah. an amazing document. It's empirical. It's almost an academic study. And yes. as a watch freak, it's a joy to read. So um, yeah. I think that you can find your answer there, basically, in many pages. Yes, and it's uh, it's been a few years' uh, work. Uh, we, we, we had a very pragmatic approach on it. But then to say, OK, this is ontology and this is not, then it's a bit more, uh, you know, uh, an equivocal. Yeah. So um, I think also, you know, FHH, Fondation Autologie, was, was uh, created 15 years ago uh, at a time where, you know, it's like haute gastronomy, uh, haute, haute, uh, haute everything. Everyone was using the word without really knowing what was lying, uh, you know, uh, behind it. So uh, the idea was trying to give some answers. But I think today uh, it is not a question of being autology or not. I think uh, we are in a... We are in a, in a in an era where uh, brands uh, have a lot of of presence and they uh, they are recognized as the you know how to say as the forefront of um, of, of a culture of or, or of certain values. So I think this this term of autologie uh, is not that uh, ever important, uh, at least much less important than it was before. So. Um, um, so I think it's more of a rhetorical question uh, to define really what is or what is not. I think what is important is the the excellence, the the road to excellence, and this is this is a, a general way. And excellence you can find in many different ways. You can be excellent in in uh, quality price ratio. You can be excellent in in providing. Uh, uh, um, I don't know a movement that is uh, you know second to none. You can be excellent and executing the the highest complications by hand. So this is what we're trying to to achieve is to show in in how many directions you can find excellence in in watchmaking. And I just have to add one one other thing is that the, I think the the watch is a, is a very distinctive product compared to other luxury segments. Uh, it's a, a complicated watch is more than 20, 30, or even 40 different crafts that you need to master in order to make a very high-end watch, complicated, very well decorated by hand. And uh, I don't know many other objects that require this uh, addition of skills. And this is what makes it really interesting, I guess. Well put. May I add, add maybe two questions, or they're actually correlated and they're rhetorical, but for our viewers that want to get educated and maybe they're young or they get first in contact with watchmaking. Rhetorical mm -hmm. question one, can a quartz watch be autologerie? <laughs> well, I don't think so. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so let's, uh, take well, actually, Cycle. let's take Grand Cycle, for example. They have excellence in their execution and finishing, their polishing, dial making, whatever they do. Yes. Could the Grand Cycle quartz be autologic? Because I think we can say that their mechanical ones are, right? Yes, they are. Um, I think it's it's really a question of wording because I think uh, when you go towards excellence in everything you do, then at the end of you have an excellent watch. You have a, a really, a, a, let's say, a high-end watch. Uh, I can also think about the uh, François Paul Journe. Um, uh, ladies' watch with the with the quartz and the very well decorated uh, um, uh, movement. Uh, so maybe we can say it's autology. But uh, if you ask eight people in the street, um, uh, you will find eight different answers. And and usually when you say autology, you're thinking about mechanical. This is why I say I doubt. So autology for many people around is the excellence in mechanical watches. And, uh, but you're but you're right. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's see what our viewers are saying. So I'm just clicking. Our colleague Dallas is hi, hi, buddy. Thank you so much for joining in as well. Um, next one. That's watch for Rocky. You haven't seen the episode. He and his crew have the watch for crew. Big group of uh, aficionados and lovers of watches in Amsterdam. 
He's asking any new brands expected to join FHH. The portfolio is already amazing. Yes, we uh, we have a few brands lining in, <laughs> lining up. Sorry, uh, we um, will soon have two new partners. Um, there are two small brands, uh, very uh, different brands. Uh, can't really uh, speak about that now because it's going to be announced in a few weeks. Uh, but yeah, we uh, hopefully will have everyone aboard one day. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's a usual process to you know keep adding new brands, definitely. Thank you. Hope that answers the question, Rocky. If not, please shoot us another one. Next one is Rocky again. When is what's the one answer plan? Good question, Rocky. <laughs> it's not planned yet. <laughs> um, Maybe something we should work on. Yeah, why not? Why yeah. not? Who knows? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, let's see. We had some questions from uh, people who couldn't join live. Let me see this one. Jerome asked us, do you consider Rolex to be hotelogery? Uh, it's in our hotelogery uh, uh, perimeter, yes. Yeah. It okay. is. Although they don't have many watches with complications, and a complication per definition doesn't mean hotelogery or not, right? It's the, you just said it beautifully. It's the execution and perfection you're seeking. Yes, but also if you take into consideration the uh, the commitment uh, of Rolex to quality, to utmost quality in everything they do. Uh, the fact that 100% of the movement, mechanical movements are in-house, the fact that they are uh, almost fully integrated, it's probably the, uh, the largest uh, integrated uh, manufacturer. Yes, I mean, and they do complications. Take, uh, take the Sky Dweller, take the Yachtmaster 2, uh, and, and a chronograph is already... Moon uh, phase? A, a, yeah, the moon phase, you have a lot of complications. Yeah. Of course, yeah. it's not yeah. at the level of Patrick Philippe, but, uh, yeah. but, but they do other things in, in towards excellence as well. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you for answering. Um, Rocky said, cool, okay, well, we're happy with <laughs> the question. We know they will get the first tickets. Um, Pascal, I see we've uh, passed the 45 minutes mark. How oh. are you time? Do you want to cut it short or should we answer a few more? I'm happy. I don't want okay? to uh, take yeah. all of your time. Yeah, yeah, I have five more minutes. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Next one. This is Yap. What did you do before you joined FHH? Oh, I had uh, many lives, you know, like cats. Uh, but uh, I started, uh, well, just before the FHH, I was working for Harry Winston. Okay. Uh, for the uh, watch division in Geneva, and my boss was Max Busser. So yeah. I, it was a great time at Harry Winston at that time. It nice. was the Opus, uh, the Opus era, and uh, yeah, it was it was very uh, very interesting. And before that, I was uh, in uh, agencies, um, uh, communication agencies, working for a few brands. I've done things for Patrick Philippe, for uh, Raymond Vell, and for SIHH, and this is where. Uh, I got my uh, acquaintance with uh, with the salon. Amazing, cool. Um, let me see. We have here a new one coming in. David is asking, "What's your favorite watch blog?" Good question. On YouTube, he asked this. By the way, well, um, to be honest, you I don't have the know. time. I don't have the time to go to blogs. I'm afraid. Uh, so yeah, sorry for this one, Joker. It's your own. It's your own. You guys write amazing articles, right? Who? On hotelogerie.org. Ah, yes, 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 but it's not a blog. Write, I, I re actually read your articles. Okay, that's good. Thank you very much. <laughs> they are very qualitative. Yeah, they <laughs> but are. But it's really yeah. not a blog. <laughs> so, David, I answered this one for Pascal. <laughs> um, let me see. Another question from Yap. What's your favorite watch in your collection well that's basically one yeah. of the easiest questions yeah they are all my babies for him what what which one gets <laughs> a lot of wrist time <laughs> i change every day um, yeah, you, you literally change every day yeah sometimes twice a day uh it makes my wife uh, crazy <laughs> but i think i think all collectors are the same and uh yeah, it's as you say, it's a disease, uh, but it's all all are my babies, and uh, I cannot uh, love one uh, one baby more than than another. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I actually but, uh, noticed that I wear 
uh, in cycles. Mm -hmm. So I have a few at home, a few at work, a few stored at different locations, which is annoying. <laughs> sometimes a watch pops into my head and I feel like that one, and then it's a hassle to get it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it depends on the mood, outfit, and occasion you go to, right? Yeah, some occasions I don't want to wear gold, sometimes in a leather strap, sometimes I need a steel bracelet, temperature, yeah. swimming. So yeah. Totally, totally. And and actually, I only have watches that I wear. If I start not wearing a watch, then I sell it. Yeah, I sell it because I, I want to, uh, you know, to experience. Uh, I really have an emotional bound uh, with my, uh, my watches usually. I mean, yeah. it either makes me, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a big smile on my face when I put it on after a few days uh, or then... Well, you know, it starts to be at the end of the drawer, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, at some point, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm selling it to you know make space because I I can't have like uh, so yeah. many watches, you know. I have the same rule. Everything gets worn, and my parameter for stay or not stay is if I put it on my wrist, like oh, and I'm in love again. That makes me happy. <laughs> right. Smile, right. and if. And if it falls out of that category, I go into limbo. So that's doubt. <laughs> and usually the answer is when in doubt, the answer is no. But yeah. then I, I, I create a freeze period. Okay. Think about it. You know, your taste <laughs> evolves. Should I keep it for my kids? No. La, 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 la. And then if not, I trade it in as well. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think we're the yeah. same in that sense. <laughs> Yes, uh, and sometimes I uh, have experienced seller's remorse. <laughs> and so you said, oh, no, I shouldn't have let it go. Not this one. <laughs> and then you try to find the new one, which is even more difficult when you, when you sell a vintage one because, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you have to find the right one in the right condition at the right price in the same, the, the, the nice patina you like. And then, of course, the, the hunt is also part of the process, basically. Yeah. But, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it takes some time. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've regretted a oh. few uh, sales now in my years. And uh, therefore, I created that freeze period Yeah, just to really think it over. And if it's not an issue of money, right? And when I have customers come in and they say, should I trade it in? I said, listen, I can't decide for you. <laughs> if this watch blocks your budget, think about it. If it doesn't block your budget, create a freeze Perfect. period. <laughs> yeah. But you know, just one uh, little anecdote. One day I had yeah. a... I had a a Tudor chronograph Monte Carlo, which I, mm. I liked a lot. Vintage. Uh, I yeah, vintage 1972. I oh. uh, really uh, loved it. And then, uh, you know, it, you know, taste evolving, etc. etc. I don't wear it anymore. And I uh, want that watch. And then I decided to sell it. <laughs> and I so much regretted that I, I, I looked for one comparable for months. And finally, the same exact watch I, I sold went back on the market. And I bought it back. <laughs> it cost Add me. Inflation or not? Add <laughs> an inflation? Sorry? Inflation of price? Of course. <laughs> what do you want to do? It's almost like a pawn shop, huh? You pawned your watch and you bought it back. Yeah, it was not the right, <laughs> right thing to do, I mean, money-wise. But uh, now I don't let it go uh, anymore. Good, good so for you. <laughs> it good for you. So it was meant to be. It was meant to yeah, be your tuition, college tuition. Yes. <laughs> Nala um, uh, has an interesting question on ah. YouTube. He asks, "Which opus is your favorite, Pascal?" Good question, Nala. Number, number three, of course. <laughs> it's the most uh, mythical one. Yeah. I can't say it's my. It's going to be my watch because it's so crazy. But it's actually so crazy that it took almost ten years. Uh, development and redevelopment and regenerate. It's uh, the Halter, Vianney? Uh, Vianney Halter, yeah. And uh, you know, it was these six digital uh, portholes, and Beautiful. it required so much energy uh, from the movement that uh, they had to redesign the movement three times, I guess, two or three times. And, and the clients, they waited, and I think they waited for like a decade or so. And yeah. um, and finally, uh, they they could uh, they could deliver the the watch. So I think it, it's really one of the mythic uh, watch, uh, modern watch uh, of the 2000s. Yeah, definitely. I by the way, talking about Vianney Halter, I love him because uh, my dad uh, fell in love with the Antica, Antiqua, Antique, the Tic first. Uh, okay. Steampunk version. Yeah, I I don't remember the name. I think it's called Antico, Antiqua. I, I think it's the French version. So ever since he's on my radar, and I love 
steampunk, although it's not really my style, I could yeah. so much appreciate the design. I love Uwerk, I love MBNF. Yeah. And um, actually, I think Europe a star, Serge Meillard published an awesome background story about him, why he was off the scene so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like really a genius who basically had a writer's block and, and his yeah. insecurities interfered with his creativity. And uh, But he came back with a vengeance, the new Tubio. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. It's really amazing. It's really yeah. amazing. And yeah, Diana is so extreme in his approach. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of the of the cool uh, of the cool guys uh, around. I um, yeah, I mean this really brings so much creativity into the into yeah. the business. It's it's really nice. Which is a point of criticism on my side that we do lack sometimes, or in particular <laughs> segments of the industry, creativity. We have a huge retro wave that keeps coming, like a mega wave. And um, that's why I can appreciate all these, you know, what Ulysse Dardenne does. Mm-hmm. There is basically nothing retro anymore in the collection. They made the Paul uh, Nardin, the David Ulysse or something, the retros and the divers, mm-hmm. and those are all gone. Um, obviously, the, 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 the front runners are Uwerk and uh, MBNF. And um, on technology-wise, I think that... Um, Hardly spoken about a singer. Yeah. Also interesting what these guys are doing. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Design wise, it's not so crazy, but uh, no, they approach... redesigned the whole chrono. Yeah. Well, actually, they they use the uh, the uh, Agen Graph from uh, Agenor, you know, who is a uh, um, you know this uh, this. Uh, very uh, very active uh, movement well not even movement designer but uh, he's he's developed uh, complications uh, for many uh, many brands in the industry uh, agenor and he's a very uh, talented guy who uh, who actually yeah reinvented the chrono and i think singer put it uh, in a very nice design and um, Actually, the same basis as the streamliner of, of H. Moser, and um, I think this chrono is really a revolutionary. It's it's yeah. difficult to understand how and why uh, because when you see it implemented, um, uh, it's difficult to understand uh, all the engineering behind. But uh, I would uh, recommend uh, uh, your audience here to go and see uh, what's behind uh, this chronograph and how it was engineered because it's really a, a technical feat. It's kind of a revolution. Uh, of of the last uh, few uh, decades, uh, a new way to think uh, about the chronograph, which is, in my view, totally uh, underrated. Yeah. Uh, and 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 developing a chronograph is uh, a hell of a thing. Eh? Uh, yeah. Everyone takes that for granted because you have powerhouses like uh, Valju seven seven fifty and stuff. But uh, this is really a complication that is difficult to to grasp and to master. And I think uh, these new uh, chronographs. Uh, uh, be it uh, by Fabergé as well, and Fabergé, uh, uh, Zinger, and H. Moser. Uh, it's uh, it's quite interesting the, the how they have put that in place into their own design. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really really. For those that don't know, on average, it takes five years to design a new caliber, and to mm-hmm. rework this takes longer. Millions of euros in R and D and actually prototyping. That's what people forget, and that what's also makes them very expensive. Besides the fact that they're handmade and hand finished and everything, mm-hmm. and 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 something else on the addition of innovation and adding value is people often think that we're watch snobs, but I know you aren't, and I know <laughs> I'm not. So just focusing on the the lower price segments, I think Meistersing is also super cool. Just one mm-hmm. hand, uh, design wise is a bit classic, but I think they're super fun as well, especially if you're starting in uh, watchmaking and you want something different. And I think I'm not objective because you guys know I'm crazy about Nomos and we did limited editions with them. But I find it amazing how they tweaked classic Mm -hmm. into each single product is modern. And it's new. It's new design coming Mm up with new design. So, And also from a thousand price point, do you guys consider Nomos Autology? Uh, Not yet. (laughs) Almost. Uh, I think they are on the verge. Uh, they um, uh, they really do something interesting. Uh, you you know what, Alan? I'm just looking at my watch. You need my to go. Autologie watch. I'm hosting a Zoom meeting in one minute, okay. so I'm afraid I have to sure. go. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We had, we had one more question, uh, but this one. Yeah. 
Maybe we'll do it in the uh, future. Soon. future yeah. Invite me again, and, and we okay, do a cool. session on, uh, on right. watches. So for all yeah, the I'm viewers, so sorry for that. Yeah, no problem. For all the viewers, thank you for watching. If you would like another session with Pascal, please leave us a comment afterwards. We would love to hear back from you. We're learning. This is the second session. Thursday, we're doing one with Mike Asher of the Royal Asher Diamond Company. Pascal, thank you so much. And I thank would you very much, Alan. The next one with you. Yeah, See you thank you very much. much. See you. See you. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you Bye. very much for the invitation. Bye. Thank you for listening to Ace Jewelers Podcast. This was the end of the Aceless Live audio-only recording. To listen to more episodes or to view them, go to acelist.com. Thank you.